everyone, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. Today is Saturday, the 21st of April, 2012. This show is part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Podcasting freedom. One show thingy at a time or something like that. I don't know. You can hear Gun Rights Radio Network on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Gun Rights Radio Network shows can be found under sources. Before we jump into the show, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact the show, there's a couple of different ways to do so. The first would be to use our voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731, 206-745-2731. I do use this voicemail for my other podcast, so when you are leaving a message, make sure that you mention that it is for Firearms Cafe. If you'd like to send in your own audio recording or if you'd like to send in a regular email, and have me read it for you on the show, I'd be more than happy to do that. The email address is firearmscafe at gmail.com, all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Let's go ahead and talk about some of the legislation that happened out here in Arizona where I live. And uh, some of you guys are probably a little bit tired of hearing that, but I do believe that it, it, it does do some good to inform people, especially who live in other states, when good things happen, because what it what it allows us to do is it allows us to say, well, hey, Utah has this, and Arizona has this, or Texas has that, and or these five or six states have this particular law that's been uh, enacted to enhance the uh, the civil rights of, of individuals. Why can't it work in this state? Um, now, some would say that we got uh, quite a few things pushed through. And I think I talked a little bit about, oh, one of the things where uh, I think it was House Bill 2728, which allowed the use of uh, silencers, basically sound suppressors when hunting. And that was signed by our governor on March 29th. And again, uh, we talked a little bit about baby steps, about how once that becomes maybe something that is uh, accepted in hunting, and if we can get that in four or five other states or, or uh, that becomes more commonplace, then it's going to be a little bit easier to say, well, why don't we then take that and put the restriction on it, we either get rid of it altogether or let's lower it to, uh, what is it called, any other object or any other weapon type thing where it's only a $5 stamp so that you don't end up having to pay $450 uh, for a sound suppressor. And uh, it, but you know, I do think that is an excellent idea uh, to have sound suppressors when hunting, uh, and I think people should use those. You know, when I was a kid, and we would hunt, we never used ear protection. Um, and, and part of it, I, I guess, probably part of the the uh, reasoning back then was because a lot of times you, you weren't constantly shooting, and so probably the. Uh, the reasoning behind it would be that, well, if you're not just, you know, bang, 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 shooting, shooting, shooting all the time, it's not going to be that big a deal. But uh, I do think it's a, a really good thing. Uh, it's going to, and if that becomes more commonplace, more people are able to actually afford to get and use suppressors, uh, what a difference that would make. Just think how nice it would be uh, to, you know, go out and shooting with your friends and you don't have to necessarily worry about having 
uh, ear protection, especially if you're shooting something like in the, you know, the 22s using the subsonic ammo and all that kind of stuff. Uh, even with that, though, I would probably still wear uh, earplugs uh, just because I'm a little paranoid about that type of stuff. Uh, but anyway, that was one of our bills that was signed, and I do think that's a good thing. There were quite a few things that the governor signed this time, but they mainly had to do a lot with hunting. Um, there was a uh, House Bill 2457, which allowed the possession, excuse me, possession of an otherwise prohibited weapon while hunting, and that was signed by the governor. So basically that would mean, let's say, if you were out duck hunting or quail hunting or whatever, you in, you you would not be able to, uh, this is my interpretation of the, how the law was prior, you would not be able to take your Glock 19 with you and have it on your person. Uh, so that's been changed. So that's good. You know, anything that, that again, furthers... Uh, where we can carry, when we can carry, that type of thing. Uh, and I know a lot of people like to say, I, you know, the Second Amendment's my carry permit, that's all I need. But the reality of it is, is we're going to have to fight and make lots and lots of little laws here and there that protect us because there are so many people that are looking to take stuff away from us. And we see that, you know, now, and I'm not going to comment too much on this, but we see that now that's happening down in Florida. They're trying to look at the... Uh, uh, they're using this as an opportunity to look at the standard ground laws when what it appears is that the standard ground law may not really apply in this thing. Again, I don't have all the facts. I don't know that uh, we ever will. Hopefully all that stuff will get sorted out. And uh, all I will say about this is if Zimmerman was an instigator, then you know he needs to be prosecuted. If he was not an instigator, if he didn't bring the situation upon himself, and uh, if it if it turns out that he really was uh, fearful that uh, he was going to be killed or maimed, then uh, you know it, it needs to go the other way. It needs to be said, okay, well, this was justifiable, and and this is that. Uh, I don't know. You know, a lot of times we talk about. And not just this case, but in, in other cases, uh, you'll hear Mass talk about things where he says a lot of times you can be tried in the, the court of public opinion, you know, if you have overzealous prosecutors or, you know, if you have people that feel pressure. And I'm, I guarantee you that's what's happening down in Florida. They're really feeling the national the national weight. They're feeling all that pressure. And so they're going to do something, Whether even if they know that it may come to nothing. Uh, they're still going to push through and go through all the motions because the, the, uh, then again, the national pressure is so high on this that they have to do something. And again, if it's justified, then good, then they should have done something. But, uh, if it turns out that he, uh, that he was justified in his actions, I think I, I said that right. Uh, if, if, if it wasn't justified, then he should be prosecuted. If, it, if he was justified in his actions, then, it, you know, it should be okay, you did the right thing, or you acted within the law, and uh, you're free to go type deal. Uh, so anyway, getting back to some of the stuff that's happened out here, we also had a thing, um, 2640, that said that the Game and Fish can't limit magazine capacity on an authorized firearm uh, that's been regulated by the, uh, again, by the Game and Fish Commission. So that was signed in. So uh, probably what that means is that if you have, if you're going out, um, 
again, bird hunting or rabbit hunting. Uh, it used to be in my day, and I haven't, I haven't been out hunting in so long, I don't know if it's the same, but it used to be in my day, if you would go out duck hunting or bird hunting or quail hunting or whatever, pheasant, you could only have three rounds total in the shotgun. So even though your shotgun had the ability, if you took the little wooden plug out, to hold maybe six rounds total, you could only have three. And I remember as a kid, a couple of times, the game warden would come and they would check your uh, your shotgun and they would have you unload it and then they would load it and see how many they could do to make sure that you weren't uh, having more rounds. Again, it was a stupid, silly law. Uh, and I'm glad to see that at least here that's gone the way of, uh, that, that, that's, that's out the door. Um, there was other stuff, uh, no, let's see. I think that's about it for for hunting related stuff. There was another thing, uh, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but there was Senate Bill twelve forty one, which basically removed local control over forfeited weapons. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure what that's going to mean for us out here. Um, but there were several things that either didn't make it out of committees or didn't get heard. They were kind of stalled on. So a lot of times, even when the press out here reports about how oh, the gun, you know, the gun lobbies or the gun groups get whatever they want, whenever they want, and it's, you know, just all cutting, it's, it's a rubber, everything's rubber stamp. That's not true. Even out here in as gun-friendly a state as Arizona is, there's still a lot of people that fight things. And one of the things, uh, that got knocked down. There was a thing um, out here. There's a thing called a homeowners association, which and pretty much almost all neighborhoods have them now. I don't know how it is across the rest of the country, but basically, what the homeowners association is is that in your neighborhood, they'll say there are certain rules and regulations that you need to abide by. So, I mean, you can't have uh, you know like twelve cars on blocks out in front of your house. You can't. Um, and it goes from big things like that all the way down to little things of how many plants you're supposed to have and what type of trees you're supposed to have and all types of not basically nonsense stuff where it's gone way too far. Uh, it was originally set up to help try and protect the people that lived in the neighborhood to help protect their property values from going down, uh, which basically came about because uh, the neighborhood probably wouldn't get together and go down and talk to the guy down the street who's got 15 cars up on blocks and say, hey, man, you need to you need to do something about this. Uh, but anyway, that's kind of another thing. Anyway, there was uh, some legislation basically saying that uh, Homeowners Association is not going to be able to put a, a bunch of restrictions on firearms and firearms ownership for that particular neighborhood. And that particular bill was basically held by the committee chairman, so it never really got to hearing. It never got discussed. Um, there was a thing, basically, another one, 2719, which was saying that for the purpose, I'll kind of read it here, for the purpose of Arizona law, the lawful possession of a firearm satisfies the federal school zone law. Um, it did kind of get some traction but then it didn't meet, you know, some of the certain deadlines. Um, and the, really the only reason it got some traction was that there was over uh, probably about 6,000 contacts, so emails and things like that when people had contacted out here. So, uh, again, that's why it's important to belong to some of the state organizations 
that are really abreast of what's going on in the legislative thing. That's I'm so happy that out here we've got the Arizona Citizens Defense League uh, because they are really up on what's going on uh, with certain laws. And that doesn't mean that everybody always agrees on everything, uh, but at least with a, this organization, of course, which I'm a member, and I've gotten a couple of my friends to join up there too, uh, to join, uh, it it does make a difference. We can, and we see it over and over again, that when these guys get flooded with emails and phone calls and letters, especially at this local level, they really do understand these, if, if I follow the will of the people here, those 6,000 people are going to be more apt to vote for me and let me keep my job when my term comes up. So and they're and they're aware of that, and then also you know especially when they see on on specific issues over and over and over again, you know that's that's why sometimes it takes two, three, four, sometimes even five years before these guys basically are saying, okay, you know now I better get this thing you know going through because for the last three years I've gotten six six thousand emails and calls and letters basically saying we want this thing to go go forward. Um, there was another thing that basically said that, and this was, uh, 2729, which actually made it through. And then it went, got sent to the governor and she vetoed it. And I thought when, even when I saw this thing going through, I had a little glimmer of hope that it might've gotten through, but Because of the way it was worded, I just didn't, I kind of knew that it really wasn't going to go through. Um, basically, what it was saying was that in any uh, state-owned or government-owned building, that if they put up, if they are going to ban firearms, so if they're going to say you can't have any firearms inside this building or this area or whatever, that they then have to make sure that everybody that comes through there is not armed, which means they have to have metal detectors, they have to have, uh, and in this case, they would have to have probably armed personnel, either security guards or off-duty police, and they would have to be stationed at all entrances and exits at the buildings. Uh, and if And they would also have to provide storage. So even if you are armed when you come in, you you'd probably declare that you have a firearm. You're going to go lock it up and then they're going to go ahead and want, you know, have you go through the metal detector and all this other stuff. The I I knew it wasn't really going to go through just because the the governor I didn't think was it was going to make her maybe too many political enemies. I don't know if she's going to still try and do that thing where she wants to try and actually run. Um, I, I talked about this on a, on a show before that when her term is up this time, she should be done according to the way that the Arizona law is written. It says that you only get a certain amount of time and she's trying to interpret it that you you have to be elected to the, to the office a couple of times. She's been elected once. And then when Napolitano, a big sis went up to uh, Obama's and is heading the uh, Department of Homeland Security. When she went up, Brewer was the 
a secretary of state, which acts basically as a uh, kind of like a lieutenant governor. And so she took over. And what she was trying to say at one point was that she hasn't really served two terms, she two elected terms. So she may be doing some stuff here and there, a little bit of maneuvering. Um, she also let us down last year with the campus carry bill. Uh, and again, I thought maybe that might, you know, she might be trying to uh, become uh, to be seen as a little bit more moderate. Um, I don't know if if Romney gets the uh, if he gets the nod for the Republican Party, and if he ever if he does get elected, I don't know. She may be jockeying for a position and wants to show herself as uh, not necessarily a vice presidential position, but just a position in his administration. And so she may be wanting to uh, show that she's a little bit more moderate and she can kind of please. Uh, several different things now several different groups now she did a while back uh which many of you know she did sign into i think she did she sign it or she just let it happen i think she i can't remember if she signed it but she did the constitutional carry thing out here but which basically says as long as you're not a prohibited possessor you can uh, carry concealed or carry discreetly as we like to say out here but uh Getting back to that, uh, the original thing, I just, I thought it kind of, it was making people do too much. Um, and I, I, I know the, probably the reasoning behind it was saying, look, if you don't want to do all this, uh, you know, metal detectors and guards and lockers and all the stuff that's going to cost you maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it, all you have to do is just let people who are law-abiding citizens, let them carry in, and you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Uh, and then, you know, people start to argue about property rights and this and that. But again, this, this again would have applied only to state and government buildings. So uh, and what that means is it would have applied to things like libraries. It would have applied to uh, not necessarily something like a courthouse because they, they already have sort of lockers and, and – uh, guards and detectors and all that stuff, but uh, it would make it a lot more difficult for them to say, well, you can't come in here because this is a government event or this is a state, you know, uh, sanctioned or, or state run event. And so therefore, uh, by very nature, you're not allowed to bring in any firearms type thing. Uh, but, you know, uh, maybe next year we'll, we'll be able to get some of this stuff going. I, I do think, I'm hoping that within the next year or two, We'll get campus carry out here. There are several uh, other states that have it. But, you know, I know that Utah has had it. And um, we've got tons of data there. There's not all sorts of crazy lawlessness. And, you know, there's not 15 school shootings every day up there. So, uh, you know, I don't see any reason why we couldn't have that here. Uh, And we'll probably, unfortunately, have to do it kind of in a baby step manner to where it may be. It'll start with some of the colleges and universities, the uh, the public ones, or uh, some of the private ones will probably be excluded from that, uh, much like it is, again, in Utah. Um, and uh, usually with that, they, they started off, and we would probably do the same thing, where you'd start off with people that had a concealed carry permit. So in Arizona, uh, some people, I've, I've when I listen to other uh, shows they'll talk about that Arizona has constitutional carry and we don't have a permit system anymore. We still have a permit system here. I still have one. And uh, like I said, as long as Arizona uh, issues one, I'll get one because it gives me reciprocity when I go to other states. 
Um, so when we go to Montana, when we, you know, if I, uh, there, and there's, I think there's about, I want to say this is either 31 or 32 states now that have reciprocity with, uh, with Arizona. And part of the reason that we were able to keep some of those numbers is because we do still have a permit and, uh, but anyway, uh, so that's some of the stuff that's been going on, uh, with some of the legislation out here. Also a quick note, I know I had said, and this has to do more with uh, just how the show is, is coming out, how often it's coming out and scheduled. I know I had gotten kind of a little bit behind and I was trying to make up and, and, and do things like that. And usually I'll release the show on a Sunday. I'm recording this on a Saturday. It'll probably get released tomorrow. Um, but what I'm going to, in theory, I should be doing an armed ape show tomorrow, but I probably won't. I'll probably wait till next week, uh, you know, unless I get uh, really motivated, uh, and so in, instead of trying to make up for the show, I'll, you know, whichever one kind of comes next for that, for that, uh, for the Saturday or Sunday, whenever the show gets released is what I'll do instead of trying to make up for them. It's just too, uh, sometimes it's, I just don't have enough time to get that stuff done. So let's see, let's go ahead. I tell you what, um, we do have a, a sponsor for the show and I talked about this over on the arm date. And that is gunguybooks.com. If you'll go over there and check it out, Jacob has several uh, different things over there. I may do a contest uh, or I may um, uh, do a thing where, and I'll have to think about it. Uh, Jacob was kind enough to say that he would, uh, however we decide to uh, give stuff out, that he would do a discount code or, or maybe a, a free book or something like that for uh, for his site, and the site has a lot of uh, really good stuff on firearms and, and different books about you know the history of this or the history of that. Um, and it's, it's geared, of course, as the website would uh, would lead you to believe, it's geared a little bit more towards guys. But there's lots of good stuff there, and I think anybody who's a gun enthusiast would like it. So again, that is gunguybooks.com. And I will put a link to that in the show notes today. And that will be for uh, show number, what's it going to be? Uh, 72, I believe, over at firearmscafe.com. Hey, Tony, this is Tom from Roanoke, Virginia. I hope you and your family have a very happy and blessed Easter. I've been thinking a lot lately about firearms. Well, as I usually do. I know in the past I've given some um, off-the-cuff remarks about renting different firearms and trying them out and what I bought. And what I've come to the conclusion of is I need to just shoot the firearms that I have. I need to concentrate on you know, acquiring more ammunition, shooting as well as possible because everybody knows it's kind of a vanishing skill. And uh, just concentrating more on well, combat accuracy and, you know, settling for what I have, not looking for the new thing on the block or the shiny object or however else they marketing gurus get us to buy their crap. Anyway, that's just a quick thought. Um, really enjoy your podcast. Take care, and I'll try to talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, Tom, thanks for sending that in. Appreciate it, and I hope to hear from you again real soon. You know, it brings up a really good point in that sometimes we can kind of get a little bedazzled by a lot of the uh, 
the new stuff that's coming out. And a lot of times we kind of think, well, gee whiz, if I only, if I just had that one extra thing, if I, if I got this type of pistol or that type of rifle or this new shotgun, maybe that would make me do or be a little better when I shoot. Maybe that's the thing that's going to, you know, fit me like a glove type deal. And look, I, you know, I, I kind of fall victim to this stuff too. And, uh, you know, I kind of think, wow, that would be a cool gun to have. Well, maybe this would answer this particular problem that I have, or, or maybe this particular firearm would fix, would be the solution, uh, for when I really want to have discrete carry, uh, when I really don't, you know, I, I can't afford to be, you know, made because I'm going to be at some event. And there's going to be a lots of hugs and stuff going around. And I, I really just don't want people to know that I'm carrying. So I need a really small gun. And, uh, you know, maybe this, you know, the new Smith & Wesson Shield will do it for me. Or maybe I should stick with that, you know, Ruger LCP. Or maybe, you know, I should go with a, uh, like a smart carry type holster where it's, you know, it, it's, uh, it's worn kind of in the front and under the pants and stuff. Um, And part of that, you know, is that we we in the culture we really like a lot of the new stuff. I and I do too, uh, but sometimes we fail to kind of uh, to say that to concentrate on certain things that we need to concentrate on. We need to concentrate on not only becoming familiar with the gun and shooting it, uh, whichever gun you're going to carry. Uh, becoming to where using that thing is pretty much second nature so that when you if you ever found yourself in a horrible situation where you were going to have to use that gun to save your life or the life of a a loved one that you're not fumbling around with it that you used to carry the Glock 19 every day or the 17 or the 26 or whatever but now but you but today you chose to carry your 1911 or you chose to carry your SIG or whatever. But you're so used to the Glock that when the moment's upon you, you forget to sweep the safety. Or you fumble with the magazine. Or, or you, you're so stressed that instead of clicking off the safety, you dump the magazine. And so now you've got a single-shot pistol. And people say, well, that stuff can't it can happen. It does happen. Uh, I've had that stuff happen to me at the range, goofing around, you know, not goofing around, but I mean, you know, running drills and stuff like that. And you you put yourself under some stress and, and some things like that. And your your mind will do goofy things, especially if you're not if you're not using that same that same firearm all the time. And that's not to say, you you know, if you wanted to, you, you couldn't become very familiar with everything and be able to switch back and forth. But for me, and f- for the way that I know how I, how my monkey brain works, it's better for me to kind of stick with a, a, a certain platform. A while back, I talked about that I had bought a, a uh, FNP 45 which is uh, FNH 45, and uh, it was the USG model. So it's got the ambidextrous uh, magazine release, ambidextrous uh, decocker and safety. Um, it's a 45. It holds, you know, 14. Uh, two, a couple of the magazines I have hold 14 rounds, one hold 15. So in, in theory, you could have 16 rounds of 45 at your disposal. 
And I went out and practiced with it, shot it a bunch, really liked it. But I've kind of come to the realization when I was doing some drills and things that for me, I like the Glocks better. For me, the Glock is I don't have to worry about sweeping the safety. I don't have to worry that if I've got the if I'm carrying, you know, cocked and locked with that FNP 45, when I go to sweep the safety, I may push it down too far because that's also my decocker lever, and I may decock the gun, which I then go from a, uh, basically the uh, the single shot staging of how the trigger was before back into a double action. I go from a single, not shot, but single action into double action. And for me, the more I kind of shot it and the more I practiced with it and did stuff with it, the more I came to the conclusion that, eh, you know what? I think I like I like the Glock. I, and I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell that gun or trade, hopefully maybe be able to trade it if I could sell it and get more money for it and then be able to get a, a Glock 21, I'd like to do that. Because I'd like to have a 45. Uh, pretty much what I have, what I carry all the time, I'd say about probably 95% of the time I carry the Glock 17. Um, the rest of the time, if, if I want to go a little smaller, I'll carry the uh, Glock 26. Sometimes I can carry that in a pocket depending on, on what clothes I'm wearing. Uh, but generally I carry the uh, the Glock 17 and I carry that in, inside the waistband holster. And I'm used to that. I've, I've, I started out carrying that, so I'm real comfortable with it. And uh, what I'm looking to get is I want to get the Glock 21, the short frame. Uh, a lot of people will call it the slim frame, uh, but it's actually the, sh the short frame. It's not any uh, slimmer. So if you look at the actual width, um, that's, that's not a, a slimmer profile. It's shorter in that, uh, how do I describe it, from the 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 front of the grip to the back of the grip that is a little bit shorter and i think where your hand the webbing of your hand goes up and gets up underneath i think that is a little uh has some of the material move so you can get in so basically to me uh, when i had them i've been to gun shows and i've held them side by side with a 17 so i can compare it it really feels a lot like a 17 and uh, with the Glock 21 out here, uh, again, I can still have 13 rounds in the magazine and one in the chamber, which will give me 14, which is plenty. Um, another thing with the with the F&P, it's a little bit bigger, so and it's a little bit different of an angle, which isn't that big a deal, but it's enough different to where... Uh, I'm so used to shooting the Glocks that I just I think I feel I'll feel more comfortable with that. Now, let's say if I get the 21 and I just don't like it, well, I'll sell it and I'll maybe get something else, or maybe I'll sell that and then use it to go do a, a you know a training class or something. Uh, but I think for me, and again, this is just for me, and your mileage, as they say, may vary. But for me, I think what I'm going to do is concentrating on sticking with sort of one family of of, of firearms, so that. Um, that when I go to use it, it's basically just point and shoot if I ever have to use it. 
Uh, now, I I talked about in previous shows, too, that I wanted to get that Ruger LCP. I'm still trying to get a good price on that. I still want to get that. One thing that I do like about it is that, it, it, again, it's kind of that point-and-shoot thing. There's not a lot of stuff I have to do or manipulate. If I have to pull that out of my pocket and use it, I'm going to be able to. Now, again, because I haven't got it, I'm kind of talking out of my butt here a little bit. Um, but I have shot one before. I actually got the opportunity to shoot one. Uh, it's fine. I mean, it's it's a you know it's, it's a little three eighty. Um, get some good ammo, and it'll be all right for you. Uh, nobody wants to get shot with anything, so and uh, something is better than nothing. And primarily, my reason for having that would be either as a backup gun, uh, or in, again in one of those situations where you're like, boy, I just I don't I cannot afford to be made, so to speak. I can't. You know, I can't let anybody know that I've got a firearm here, not because this may be illegal, but maybe because this would be socially unacceptable, let's say at your job or something like that. Uh, and there are times when people can do that. And, you know, I know some people will say, well, you just dress appropriately and do this and do that. Well, sometimes, you know, the choice is you use that firearm. You in, Instead of, you know, being able to dress a certain way, you may not be able to. So anyway, uh, kind of that's uh, my two cents on that. A couple of quick things here, and we will draw the show to a close. First, if you've got any pro-gun things that came through in your state, some good legislation that was made, let us know. Uh, drop a line to the show. and uh, or, if, or even if you found some things that you thought should have gone through that didn't, uh, and kind of why you think maybe that happened or didn't happen, uh, let us know. So good, bad, or ugly, that type of thing. Also, I want to send a shout-out to my boy Ken over in Afghanistan. He's my uh, number one homie, and uh, looking forward to you being back in the States. So stay safe over there, and we'll talk to you real soon. All right, guys, I think that's going to do it. Like I said, I hope you got something out of the show today. And uh, I'll draw it to a close now, and I will talk to you guys next time. Take care.
Acute jealousy hung over from the love blast. I'm getting stuck in another victim of routine. Invisible to dream, unpredictable to see. I guess I didn't get the job, and it's been a lot to handle. I'm still in shambles. Say a prayer and light a candle. Give me some direction. Retrace my steps, and I saw where I slipped up. Where it's gotten mixed up. Tip cup, you can have your two cents back. I thought we went back. I thought it was for real. I thought I was alone. I bet you know just how I feel. I guess it all comes back. It's a little known fact. I don't even know if I'm supposed to react. But just move on. I got nothing to hold on. I feel like we've been doing this for so long. She said, You can call me anything. So I gave her everything. Found out that it doesn't mean anything. Superhuman strength. Oh, teeny.